Welcome back to 40 Minute Mentor, the podcast on a mission to make mentorship more accessible. Today, we have a really special episode with Samuel Tholley, a teacher who has created Hidden Pages, a fantastic online platform that shares stories of Black people who have had a significant impact on the world to help increase awareness of Black history. I was also particularly keen to chat to Samuel because I studied history at university, so I'm always fascinated by what we can learn from historical figures, but also as a father to a six-year-old daughter who has Ugandan heritage. These figures are ones that I want to share with her and also with you all. So to kick things off, Samuel, please can you introduce yourself, tell us a bit about your background um, to our listeners, and I'd also love to hear in your own words what Hidden Pages is all about and why you decided to set it up. Firstly, a huge thanks, James, for inviting me on to 40 Minute Mentor. Yeah, it's an absolute honour to be here, and yes, thank you for the opportunity. So, yeah, my name is Samuel. I'm a teacher in a school in East London. I studied sociology at university, but throughout my life had the opportunity, and some would say even the privilege, to be made aware of some of the not-so-widely-known contributions of Black people and those of Afro-Caribbean descent to, essentially, human history and human development. Throughout um, my adolescence and time at uni, a lot of conversations that I came across um, were to do with the lack of representation, the institutional racism, and I guess just the stifling of opportunities limit, um, experienced by um, Black and ethnic minority um, people. But marrying my own knowledge with this consistent experience of, I guess, more pessimistic and sad conversations around um, the experiences of ethnic minorities, I thought, well, surely there's a way to easily spread the knowledge that I have of Afro-Caribbean contributions and Black people's contributions to the masses, regardless of the background of the listener. And so thought and thought for ages, slept in the idea, revisited it, and then Instagram became more prominent and social media as a whole became more prominent. And I thought, great, this is a vehicle that I can use to ride the wave of um, instant and immediate information, dissemination and absorption as well and create hidden pages as a result of that and so it's it's function and purpose is to uh, disseminate and raise awareness um, of black history to the masses throughout all times of the year and not just during black history month so that's how hidden pages um, has come about Amazing. Firstly, kudos to you for, for kind of having the idea and actually getting it off the ground. And you can really see the impact, you know, you're having in terms of raising awareness. I absolutely love what it stands for. And I think to your point about not just it being for Black History Month, but I think one of the things we wanted to do as part of a broader collaboration was actually continually share these stories and kind of make it an ongoing conversation because some of this history has clearly been ignored or or pushed down or just not given the, the focus that it should have done because there's some incredible, I mean, from, from our first conversation, I started reading up around some of the figures that uh, uh, showcased and I was ashamed that I didn't know who they were and some of the incredible stories. So I'm, I'm excited to dig into some of those today. Before we kind of move on though, I just want to just ask you a bit more about kind of you know, what it was about your upbringing that meant you got exposure to some of these stories earlier? Because I think that's something that clearly, like you mentioned, that a lot of people haven't had that. And you clearly had that growing up or, or something about your earlier life gave you the exposure to some of these um, incredible stories. So can you tell us a bit about that? Was that your parents? Was that um, just a natural thing within you that you just wanted to find out more? Yeah, I think I was really fortunate to have, uh, first and foremost, family around me um, who were very cognizant of 
their heritage. So my parents come from Sierra Leone. And so I think my upbringing was very much, I am in Britain, yes, but I'm growing up in a Sierra Leonean world because my parents have come into Britain. And so mm. therefore they'll raise their children with Sierra Leone standards, but also have an openness and awareness that there's an English world out of the house as well. And I think I just remember being blessed and privileged with those passing conversations about, oh, did you know that we had this sort of history before colonialism? And it just became a norm, really, when attending different events, etc. And even through the music that I was exposed to of hearing about Black history. And of course, because the experience um, of Black peoples that is predominantly shared by mass media isn't always the most positive one. It was even more important um, hearing that kind of information because it would counter some of the, the stereotypes or, as I said before, just the more um, negative and pessimistic um, accounts of experiences that were that were being had. So, yeah, just having family around me speak to me about, about Black history first and foremost, being a big lover of music myself and having people add to my musical knowledge as well and coming across artists and their lyrics that nod to very frequently um, Black history as well. So, yeah, I think all in all, just being, I guess, just absorbed and looked after in, in that environment through home life and then outside home life as well. Always been gifted with knowledge, always been gifted with knowledge. And yeah, it, it meant that as I got older and, become, and I became more cognizant of issues around race, um, I actually became more baffled by why mm -hmm. these issues existed in the first place, because I thought, well, people who look like me and my ancestors have done such great things why is there a need to prove ourselves why are we in that situation where we feel like we need to prove ourselves why is it that we're not being treated as equal smart and as clever as any other ethnicity when we've done all this other stuff throughout history this is really baffling so that's how my upbringing tied into my perspectives on race relations and therefore led to what i've created now as hidden pages Amazing. So interesting. And it makes me think back to some of my friends from school and my wife, you know, who's half Ugandan, half English, and the number of times throughout their lives where they've been made to feel other, even though they've been raised in this country, are no different to anyone else. And yet there's this kind of sad systemic racism and discrimination that exists and think things in recent times i guess george floyd and various other shocking events have brought a lot of this to the fore but i think it's just something that has been there for many many centuries and i think it's initiatives like this that i think will help a lot of people that may have suppressed those experiences and they just kind of put up with it i think it's things like this that i think will really help uh, you know really be a really good resource for for anybody that's kind of maybe not talked about it before and actually I think we'll get a lot from it. So I'm, I'm really excited about it. Why do you think it's so important to, to share these untold stories? And like, what is the impact that we can have by doing so? I think a large part of the, the racist and xenophobic views and unconscious bias, et cetera, comes from a lack of awareness and education from those who, who hold tight to those views. And so for me, Hidden Pages is an answer to, to all these conversations again around feeling oppressed, feeling marginalized, uh, not feeling or being seen or heard as well. And, and so for me, that's the purpose of Hidden Pages. It's, it's literally a response to that. And so, uh, you know, as a result of that, it means 
it's accessible to everyone um, because no matter your ethnicity, um, you're going to have um, areas of where more knowledge basically could just be developed. And I think also it was seeing that no one else was doing or presenting this information how I thought it could be best presented, which was bite-sized, poignant, accessible, and everything else is offered with such immediacy. How comes this integral part of our human history isn't? And hence, as I said earlier, I thought, well, let's utilize the vehicle of social media and it's you know instant information dissemination um, to add you know to the corpus of, of history. Um, so so yeah, that, that's why I think it's it, it, this is something that you know I look back now and I'm like, yeah, this this I, if only I started this even much earlier than I already did, in fact. But yeah, that's the reason why I think it's so important. For, for hidden pages to exist yeah no that's really true uh, we're going to come on and talk a bit about you know some of these stories some of these figures because i'm sure we're, everyone listening to this is kind of eagerly awaiting to hear yeah. some of them but i just think the points you made there about it being this is a really bite-sized accessible way to broaden your knowledge and and, and learn about things young and i think that's I think that's part of it, isn't it? I think we want more people out there, you know, I think, and this goes to a lot of different subjects, just to kind of be open-minded enough to go and explore and learn. And and I think for me, I mean, I'm a, a lover of all things history, but I, I'm half Indian. I was kind of ashamed about my lack of knowledge of Indian history. And then I, I went to university and I had a, an opportunity to study Indian history and, and the partition of India and uh, and Gandhi. And it just gave me a whole new lease of life when I, you know, yeah. I, I grew up learning about World War II and history at school and, yeah. and the Tudors, yeah. you know, and it's a very, very, like history is a big thing. <laughs> and yet it really felt like we'd seen very small bits of it. And for me to be able to connect to my heritage and learn some really not very nice things about the British history and the colonial impact and you know how the British role in, in that helped me put a lot more perspective around that that whole kind of uh, history in my family life so I think you can get a lot out of looking at history and digging into whether it's your own background but also uh, understanding others so uh, yeah I just hope others get as excited as I am because I think it's just it's just really really fascinating yeah absolutely absolutely I really hope you're enjoying today's episode so far. But before we continue hearing from today's mentor, I wanted to take a minute to give a shout out to our series sponsors, Alchemist. Alchemist is an industry-leading learning and development company using immersive and interactive experiences to help increase employee engagement, levels of happiness and achievement across your teams and overall productivity. Alchemist presents L&D departments with an opportunity to innovate and be bold in their approaches to blended learning. If you love the sound of this as much as we do here at JBM, then head over to thisisalchemist.com forward slash 40 Minute Mentor to learn more. And now back to our 40 Minute Mentor. We've teased the audience enough. Do you mind giving our listeners a bit of a flavour of, of some of the people and figures that you featured in uh, on Hidden Pages? Love to hear a bit more about the impact they had on the world. And feel free to do as many as you like, Samuel. Absolutely. I oh, appreciate that. Thank you. So um, just a few of the the, the figures that you'll, you'll find on, on Hidden Pages are as follows. I think the first one to kick off with is someone who existed a very long time ago, over 10,000 years ago, um, wow. who is referred to today by... Uh, scientist as Cheddar Man. So again, this was a, a the a fossil, a complete fossil, um, said to have existed around 10,000 years ago. And the reason why it was so important is because the first modern Britons 
uh, based on uh, DNA analysis of this fossil, are said to have dark to black skin. Okay, so the modern ants, the, the, the Britons who um, are around us today, collectively, en masse, and their ancestry could be traced back to this fossil. And it was unearthed um, about a century ago in, I think, I hope I don't butcher the, the pronunciation of this, but in Goff's Cage, which is located in Cheddar Gorge, hence Cheddar Man. And there's a lot of speculation with regards to the, the origins and the appearance of this fossil known as Cheddar Man. But ultimately, if British ancestry is said to be tracked back to this fossil, then it shows that uh, people of my hue and levels of melanin have existed on this land for literally thousands of years. So that's, so that's Cheddar Man um, as, as one of the, the historical figures to talk about and hopefully for more people to, to also look into as well. But I thought that was really important to highlight because um, oftentimes, as we know, history is written by the victor, as often said. So there's a, some sort of uh, there's always room for some sort of subjective um, or bias that's there. When science gets involved, though, and to the level of uh, DNA analysis, it gives some of uh, the stories a bit more credence. Um, and that's why I think Chenaman is so important for, for everyone to know about and to do more research into as well. Next up is actually a group of people. So rather than just one person, a group of people. And these people are known as the Moors. So the Moors were uh, black North Africans uh, who ruled Spain for over 700 years. Again, even just every time I say that out loud, there's a small part of me that's always like, really? Because quite a big term, it's quite a loaded sentence. You know, black North African Moors who ruled Spain for 700 years. It's a world completely removed from what we exist in currently. So it was in about AD 700 that the Moors occupied Spain. And with their occupation, they brought progressions in astronomy, chemistry, physics, maths, geography, uh, philosophy as well. And actually, the word more in itself is an ancient Latin word which derives from morus. And that was a, originally used to describe uh, the Berbers who were from an ancient Roman province in Mauritania, which is now North Africa, essentially. So over time, um, this word more often became associated with, with Muslims and the Muslim community from North Africa, particularly at the beginning of the Renaissance as well. And within that beginning of, of the Renaissance was also the frequent association of more and black and more used to describe anyone with dark skin, essentially, as well. So, again, massively important, I think, to, to know about um, just because their influence uh, was so vast that a lot of the, uh, I guess, foundational scientific knowledge that we run our society with, a, a huge contribution to that came from these moors. But again, Masters of philosophy and religion and science should definitely, I think, be be studied more often. I think everyone should know about the impact of these of, of these people as well. And when it comes to linguistic evidence of their contributions as well, um, a lot of Spanish words are actually Arabic or have a, an Arabic similarity. So, for example, the Spanish word for sugar is azuka, okay, and in Arabic that would be alsuka, and then the Spanish word for tuna would be uh, atun, and then in Arabic it's altun. So, again, just phonetically, you can hear the similarities and, and um, through that, see the influence that the Moors had on Spain and the rest of Europe. And of course, English and Spanish being Latin derivatives, that should be a suggestion to the mind of how far the Moors' influence goes as well. Then you have a gentleman called Mansa Musa. So Mansa Musa is the richest person ever recorded in history. Um, and again, this is um, a black African man who was an emperor of, of Mali 
and he became emperor of Mali in 1312. And this was at a time when Europe um, was actually struggling and facing uh, declining gold and silver productions, while many African kingdoms were actually thriving. So the rest of the world caught wind of the wealth that Mansa Musa had in about 1324 um, slash 25. And um, it was particularly when he made this 4,000 mile pilgrimage from Mali uh, to Mecca as part of his practice as a Muslim. And it's safe to say that his journey wasn't cheap at all. Apparently, he had about a 60,000 strong um, caravan and that was said to include a thousand attendants, um, 100 camels loaded with, with gold and his own personal musicians and physicians. And as well, controversially, but, you know, such as said, um, slaves as well bearing gold staffs. So his his slaves had gold ornaments. That's just an example of the wealth that he had possessed and moved with as well. And um, it's also said that during his travels, he'd often bestow dignitaries with many gifts as well. And um, uh, it's said that he almost collapsed an economy and caused mass inflation by the amount of gold he gave out um, during a visit to Cairo. So clearly this is someone whose wealth um, again, in our day and age, is almost unimaginable and would actually dwarf the, the, the wealth of Bezos and Zuckerberg and, and the like. Um, and again, this is a, a so-called black African man. Where is our, our knowledge and history of, of, of a figure like this? And so, yeah, this was someone as well. Not only did, obviously, was he aware of his riches and, and commanded such power with his riches, but also demonstrated his duty to philosophical educational community development as well. And built a lot of museums and libraries in Timbuktu as well. So we often hear these phrases of um, all the way, probably quite discreet, you know, um, rather what in, politically incorrect, but from here to Timbuktu as if it's this far away, you know, made up place. But actually, this was a place that was a hub of knowledge in Africa that many Western nations went to to gather their knowledge as well. So that's, that's Mansa Musa, richest person ever recorded. And then you've got Mary Seacole. So Mary Seacole was a, a businesswoman who provided sustenance and care for British soldiers during the Crimean War. And she was Jamaican-born. So she was a daughter of a Scottish soldier and the owner of a lot of boarding houses and offices for their families as well. Now, her mother was a, a Jamaican and she was a healer and a nurse. And so as Mary Seacole uh, grew up, she learned a lot of the remedies and ways of nursing and that would then be useful for her career later on um, as a nursing entrepreneur. Now, during the time that Mary was alive, uh, women weren't really known to be traveling alone, especially like across the globe. But Mary, being you know the amazing woman that she was, did that. Okay, and she traveled to England frequently, and about three years in total, when you calculate the amount of trips she did back and forth between Jamaica and England as well. But she was also quite the businesswoman as well, and later journeyed to islands such as the Bahamas, Haiti, and Cuba, where she bought spices and herbs and, and traded those goods as well. Once her husband unfortunately passed in about 1844, her husband was an English man named Edwin Seacole, and that's when her passion for caring for the sick really kicked in. And her medical skills were very, very much needed in places like Kingston when cholera just completely had, had decimated the country of Jamaica. After she had contributed widely to sort of solving, um, or rather yeah, fighting that or it was not a pandemic, maybe an endemic of cholera in, in Kingston. In 1853, she went to uh, Panama, where she ran a hotel with her brother. And again, in that hotel and the store, she sold, again, medicinal goods and all sorts of products as well um, to the locals as well. So, yeah, this was someone who um, was juggling the roles of um, a nurse and an entrepreneur as well. 
and then you get to the part of the Mother Mary's story that most people know her for, which was her role in the Crimean War. And so uh, Mary turned to Kingston in 1853, um, but didn't stay too long because of what she heard about how British soldiers were going off to Russia to fight um, the Crimean War. She heard of the atrocities there and had actually decided to make her way back to London to request uh, working side by side with Florence Nightingale. Now, um, upon that request, she was actually refused. And Mary, there are records of Mary saying that the, re- the rejection of her offer to help work with Florence Nightingale, again, another really famous nurse, British nurse, she says that was actually due to, to racism and racial prejudice. So she said, well, I need to find another way. And so with her friend Thomas Day in 1855, she left and set off to Cranberry and set up what was known as uh, the British Hotel, which was essentially just a hut made of metal sheets where soldiers would rest and just be, be cared for. Now, there is a very interesting account to Mary's story as well. On occasion, she would ride out on horseback to the battlefield and collect wounded soldiers. So this was someone who was fighting against the odds in all senses, being a woman, person of colour, so to speak, travelling back and forth between nations, an entrepreneur, and at times risking her life uh, and putting her own funds down to support the British efforts during the war. So that's why a lot of uh, your listeners will, will know of Mary Seacole. And the bravery of Mary Seacole is something you just would you wouldn't necessarily know. You, you know, she she is a a figure that maybe others would have heard of. Actually, my I was thrilled to hear that my daughter was learning about Mary Seacole at primary school uh, a few months ago. But so much of that story I had no idea about. Like the the entrepreneurialism, the kind of yeah, the the bravery involved is quite remarkable. And um, so sorry to interrupt. I just like no, it's not at all. incredible. Not at all. Love it. Absolutely, absolutely. And this is, I guess, the beauty of of human history, again, which is, I guess, the purpose of the pages we're trying to get it from being about Black history or being recognised as Black history. There's a wider goal here to see it as, oh, yes, this is part of human history. People of this ethnicity who have more melanin in their skin have done as great as other ethnicities, their feats and actions, they match. And it's normal, you know, greatness and the contributions that have happened from ethnicity are normal. And then uh, the last person I think I'd want to just offer a, a snippet of, of a story about is a lady called Sarah Bonetta Forbes. And so this was a lady who had been displaced by the events of the transatlantic slave trade. So it's one that reveals as well sort of the fetishization of, uh, I guess, some of the subjects that were born in Africa and then placed in England. So she was a princess uh, of the Yoruba dynasty and was captured um, as a child during the slave hunt war, where her parents were killed by a, a king named uh, Gezo of Dahomey. And the Dahomey women warriors are actually another group of people that to, to check out on Hidden Pages. The story Black Panther and the all-women military troop are based on the Dahomey women warriors, in fact. So, um, yeah, it's definitely a set of stories that I'd, I'd encourage your listeners to go and check out as well, Hidden Pages. Now, this was one of the most uh, notorious slave trading monarchs. So. Um, King Gezo of the Dahomey um, community there during the early 19th century in, in Africa. Now, the story goes that eventually she was discharged by the king to a Captain Frederick Forbes, who was sent to West Africa to persuade the king to abandon slavery. And it said that he bargained for to save the child, convincing the king to gift her to Queen Victoria. And so the deed was done. 
and Sarah that she travelled to to England with Frederick Forbes, and she was actually baptised en route and given this Christian name, Sarah. Part of her other name, so Bonetta, was actually based on the name of the ship of Frederick Forbes. So as heroic as this start may seem from the captain's side, there's a lot of um, identity stripping happening here on Sarah's part, which is something to, to take note of as well. Um, but and then again, there's so many conversations that go on about well, how righteous and how happy was she during her life. But to continue the story, the Queen, once she'd been met with um, or gifted, uh, gifted quote unquote Sarah, she was impressed by her intelligence and dignity, and eventually became her protector. And funded her education and provided welfare for her essentially. And it's said that it was either Queen Victoria or Captain Frederick Forbes that said that. This child was a perfect genius and she speaks English so well and has a great talent for music. And it says here as well, so she she is far in advance of any white child of her age in aptness of learning and strength of mind and affection. And of course, I guess the, the articulation of that is controversial in and of itself, but it drives home the point that this was a child who um, was cognizant, intelligent, so much so that there was a large fondness of British monarchy in response to her. Um, so she is absolutely highly regarded and she attended many social events, including at the time Princess Victoria's wedding as well, who was the Queen's eldest daughter. Now, later on, it said that Sarah had ended up marrying a Euro European or a merchant from the Yoruba tribe and had gone on to, um, again, live a life in, in aristocracy and all the privileges that, that came with that. And another interesting quote I want to read is actually what that wedding was like. And again, this is important to note because again, I think wealth and privileges and being associated with the upper class and aristocracy, it should be known that there was a diversity in that community. And so one of the notes I've made was the match between Sarah and this widower named James Pinson Labulo Davis. This was a lavish wedding, um, which we did 10 carriages, and they actually managed to settle in colonial labels. So although Sarah had, had this quite tumultuous journey to England, clearly there were enough funds and backing towards her and her husband to go back to colonial labels. And they named their first child after Queen Victoria with, with the Queen's blessing. Unfortunately, Sarah died of tuberculosis at just age 37. And it said the Queen had written, poor Victoria Davies, uh, my black godchild, who learnt this morning of of the death of her, her her dear mother, essentially. So again, that transcript there just shows that there is a, a literal history and presence of so-called Black people throughout the ages, particularly, which I think is quite striking as well, during this time of Queen Victoria, you know, head of the country, perhaps at a time when Black people and those ethnic minorities are not seen as fully human, but rather more rare specimens to be walked at. Okay, and studied in a subjective way. This head of the country, the most famous empire in the world, the head of the most famous empire in the world, had an affection for someone who others would see as inhuman or yeah, non-human, I should say. So yeah, those are just a few of the stories um, that you can find um, there on Hidden Pages. And um, yeah, of course, there's, there's, there's a lot more um, to come as well moving forward. And uh, yeah, I'm just happy that I get to share just some of those for now. Oh, thank you so much, Samuel. It's a real pleasure. And uh, 
Yeah, a real honour to be able to hear those stories and share them with our loyal listeners. Some of it, I man, some music, like, what an incredibly powerful and sort of successful leader he was. And yet I'd never heard of him before. And I think that's just shameful in some ways, but also uh, it's great to now be hearing about these, these figures. And I'm looking forward to diving into the platform more to kind of find out and expand my mind and hear about some other incredible people of colour that have done so much good and had such an impact on the world. We're sadly at the end. Before we we let you go, I just wanted to ask your plans for the future of Hidden Pages, and uh, and and if you had any final parting advice for anyone listening that's kind of been really intrigued by what they've heard and wants to learn more. Yeah, absolutely. So Hidden Pages now wants to move into a more short video form as well, just because we know by research, etc., that video is is the way to go, and so we're looking at video form. Its future is already um, in motion. So, and that's by virtue of me being a teacher and having the, the, the honor and privilege to teach people's kids. And part of that education comes with that information, with that sorry, the education comes with my knowledge as well of black history and, you know, sharing that um, with a range of ages from age 11 all the way to, to 19. So, it's doing more work in schools as well. And in terms of uh, parting words of, of advice or next steps i guess for those who want to learn more about black history most of us in the field of, of black history education will, will tell you you've got to do it yourself you have to be willing to put the work in yourself there is no one who's going to come and give you this information on the plate but stay open-minded stay critical as well because there are many different sources and versions of histories even of the characters that i've or rather so the people that i've talked about so yeah those will be my amazing Sam thank you very much for coming on and sharing your story and the incredible work you're doing with Hidden Pages I'm sure there's going to be a lot of our listeners that will be checking it out so we'll be leaving a a link in the show notes and you know this will be the start of a a longer term partnership between JBM 40 Minute Mentor and uh, you and Hidden Pages because I think we can uh, you know all learn a lot from from working together and uh, we can certainly learn a lot from you and the stories you're sharing and I think it's just a really important thing to as you said to kind of normalize black history and and, and celebrate some of these figures that have, have often been ignored or forgotten or, or, or never had the exposure that they should so thanks for coming on the podcast and uh, yeah I look forward to seeing you again soon. No worries at all thanks for the opportunity James. Thank you so much for tuning in to this very special episode of 40 Minute Mentor. And if you enjoyed today's episode, I would really encourage you to go and check out the amazing work that Samuel's done with Hidden Pages. We'll leave a few links in the show notes. I really hope we'll see you again this time next week when we'll release our trailer for the upcoming new series. It's definitely not one to miss. So make sure you tune in next Wednesday. Until then, have a fantastic week.